So Revelation paints this clear picture of the day of the Lord where God brings justice and God restores and redeems and heals his people. And so we have this to look forward to as a hope, but also as a warning. You are listening to the Hope Valley Podcast, a weekly production of Hope Valley Church in Winchester, Virginia, with your host, Pastor Sam Rogers. Well, hello and welcome to Sunday Morning with Hope Valley Church. I'm Pastor Sam, the lead pastor here at Hope Valley, and today we're finishing up what's been a 10-part series called Bible Threads. And in this series, what we've been doing is taking, you know, these big ideas and themes and concepts that run through the Bible, and we've been looking at them just so that we can understand the story of the Bible better, but also see how all of these big ideas and concepts really are meant to point us to Jesus, really focus us on Him. And so we've been learning all kinds of things about uh, what it really means to be in God's presence, you know, holiness, faithfulness, uh, obedience to Christ, and, and so many other ideas. And, and my hope in learning these and unpacking these ideas really just helps us have a better picture of what all of that means for the way that we live our lives, but also how we relate to God and how we should act toward other people. And so today, this final thread we're going to be looking at is this idea of the day of the Lord. Okay, And the day of the Lord really just refers to an event where God brings justice against evil and where he you know, kind of restores his world and restores and redeems his people. And so the expectation of that day of the Lord, and really throughout the story of the Bible, there's more than one event referred to as the day of the Lord. And all of them uh, continue to point us to the expectation of one future final day of the Lord where God brings permanent justice against everything that's ever been done wrong and creates a new world of cohabitation with him and his people where his people and his world are restored and redeemed. And so all these days of the Lord we see through the story of the Bible are meant to point us to that. And we're going to unpack those ideas as we go through the thread today. But this expectation of the day of the Lord is really meant to do two things. One, it's meant to stir up, frankly, the kind of fear that leads people to repent and motivates them to resist the culture of Babylon. That's something we're going to unpack a little bit more today. We started talking about this, this metaphor, if you will, of Babylon last week when we talked about the exile. We're going to unpack it a little bit more today. But really, the expectation of a coming day of the Lord, honestly, is meant to be a little frightening. Uh, but in a way that's intended to kind of sober us up and, and repent of our evil because we don't want to receive God's judgment. We want to receive God's grace. So it's meant to do that, but it's also meant, the, you know, the expectation of the day of the Lord is also meant to be a comfort for God's people with the confidence that he will one day give justice to every victim, free the world from corruption, and redeem everything, right? And so that's really important too because we live in a world where, let's be honest, we see so much injustice. And so 
having the confidence in a coming day of the Lord where God will bring justice to all the things that we thought, you know, people got away with it. We will see that nobody gets away with everything because God is a God of justice. And so that's also meant to bring us comfort. Not only is he going to bring us justice, but he's also going to bring us redemption and restoration. Okay? And so those are the two things that the uh, day of the Lord is meant to be. And we'll see that as we go through the story, right? It's meant to sober us up, right? It's meant to motivate us to live godly lives and also give us hope in the middle of our present hardship. Okay? So how does this thread run through the story of the Bible? Well, let's go back to something we talked about last week, and that's the Tower of Babel, and that's in Genesis chapter 11. And the Tower of Babel, Babylon becomes an icon of humanity's corporate rebellion against God. We, we see this in Genesis chapter 11.4, where it's first mentioned, but then you also see it grow into the full-on metaphor and picture that we see in Revelation chapter 17.5, where Babylon is just pictured as this ultimate icon of all of humanity's sin and arrogance and corruption and pride and abusive behavior and, and all the other terrible things about humanity, right? And, and, our, and our choices and our behaviors. And so our abuse of others, our desire to re- redefine good and evil and our desire to become gods ourselves are all kind of encapsulated in this idea of Babylon, right? Uh, and this flows out of the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. So it really is a very significant part of that book and really the whole collection of the Bible. And so as we move on in the story then, we get to the part where God is freeing Israel from Egypt. A lot of you guys know the story. And God's judgment against Egypt in that story really becomes this icon for the day of the Lord. So the Tower of Babel stands as an icon for the ultimate arrogance and sin of humanity. And then uh, God rescuing Israel from Egypt becomes this picture and this icon for the day of the Lord and the way that it works. And we see this in Exodus chapter 15, verse 1 through 18. This is a song of praise that, uh, that the people sing after God has freed them from Egypt's bondage, but also defeated Egypt's armies to save them, right? Here's something we have to understand is that at that time, Egypt was like the greatest power of its day, right? Like there, there was no other human civilization of that time and place in the world that had ever been anything like Egypt. They were just, they were the most powerful, the most wealthy, the most sophisticated. Uh, I mean, even now to this day, we really kind of marvel at the things that they did and the things that they built. No other human kingdom at that point in history had ever been anything like Egypt. And yet in the story of the Exodus, we see that God defeats the king of Egypt and his armies like they're nothing, right? And, and, he, and not only does he defeat the king of Egypt and their armies like they're nothing, but he also sets their slaves, God's people, free, right? And so this first instincts of, you know, this day of the Lord, it really is simultaneously a picture of God's terrifying power and also his ability to redeem. And so we see this event become this icon for the day of the Lord. 
And throughout the story of the Bible, there's really several uh, additional judgment events. There's several additional days of the Lord that take place throughout the Old Testament, and they're used to point to this future ultimate day of the Lord. And the most significant example is when God, as we've talked about already, judges Israel for the rebellion and their corruption and sends them into exile. And Amos 5, if you go read that chapter, really focuses on this idea. But this judgment also ends with God redeeming Israel and bringing them back into their lands. So this is a significant thread that goes through here. And so all of this points to this future day of the Lord. And this is described really in detail in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to read some passages from the book of Revelation to you. And then we're going to kind of unpack some of the imagery. And there's a lot of imagery, okay? Uh, but the, Re- the book of Revelation, amongst other things, talks in vivid detail and vivid imagery about the ultimate future day of the Lord that we are meant to look forward to. So the Bible gives us both the opportunity to look back at uh, events in history of God's judgment and God's redemption, and then also points us to look forward into the future of, of this ultimate day of the Lord, this ultimate day of God's judgment against evil and his redemption for his people. And so let me read a few of these passages. We're going to unpack the imagery together, and, and then I think we'll have some things to walk away with today as far as what this really means for our lives. Um, so here we're, we're in uh, Revelation chapter 19. Uh, let's look here at verse 11. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. And from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like juice flowing from a wine press. And on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of all Lords. Okay, so this is part of this long prophecy about this future day of the Lord that we're called to expect. And here we see Jesus pictured uh, in some pretty interesting and actually very unusual ways, right? So let's let's unpack those things, right? First of all, we see that he his name is literally called Faithful and True. This is significant. We see Jesus coming on the day of the Lord as this truly faithful representative of God and humanity, right? Uh, this perfect example of justice uh, and total unique, uh, you know, he's totally unique compared to every other ruler and authority. That's one of the first images that we see there. We also see this interesting image that he's already bloody, but it's not with the blood of his enemies, like you would expect in some giant battle. He's actually covered in his own blood. But it's the blood by which he has already defeated sin and death. So, in other words, the imagery of him showing up to the battle and his robes already have blood on them. This is imagery showing us how Jesus shows up on the day of the Lord 
and and he's arriving to the battle already victorious. Okay, and then there's this image of the sword in his mouth. Right, it's it's not in his hand. His sword is coming out of his mouth, and this is symbolizing his authority to define good and evil. It's a call to other scriptures that talk about the word of God as being a sharp two-edged sword that can divide and discern things, right? And so Jesus shows up on the day of the Lord. He shows up as this truly faithful representative of humanity, this perfect example of justice, of this totally unique King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's already victorious and he alone has the power to define what is good and what is evil. So these are some significant images here. But let's continue now to Revelation chapter 21. And we see in verse 3, this is now the conclusion of God's judgment against uh, evil and against his enemies and, and, and rebellious humans that refuse to repent and refuse to turn from their sin and wickedness. That is now taking place through the judgment that has come through Jesus. And then in chapter 21, verse 3, John is writing, he says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and it's true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. And then go to chapter 22, verse 3. John writes, No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads, and there will be no night there, nor, nor need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. So, so much beautiful imagery here, but we see here that this new earth is established. It's prepared for the cohabitation of God and his people, and it's totally free of corruption. Here, God restores and he heals people and he preserves peace forever. So Revelation, besides being a, a, a very heavy, often very difficult to understand book, nevertheless paints this clear picture of the day of the Lord as this ultimate event where God brings justice and God restores and redeems and heals his people. And after this ultimate day of the Lord that we still are looking forward to, there will no longer be any more pain, any more sadness. And so we have this to look forward to as a hope, but also as a warning for us now. 
So what does all this mean for us? You know, first it means that in the middle of experiencing injustices in the world, we can find hope in expecting God's justice and God's redemption. We can look forward with hope to the day of the Lord. And this is really significant because as I said earlier, so often we we experience injustices in the world and it, it just seems like there's never an answer. No one's held to account for these things, right? Uh, how often has it seemed like the bad guy just got away with it? And so we can look forward and know that God will bring justice. He will bring justice. And that actually can give us hope. But again, it's also a warning. It's meant to sober us up a little bit, right? To realize God is going to bring justice. There will be an answer for sin. I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. I want to accept His grace and His mercy now so that I can look forward to the day of the Lord with hope and expectation and not with fear, right? And so this also means that we have to, again, like we talked about last week, really keep ourselves from the temptations to join Babylon, right? To join this world in exile, to join this world that is in rebellion against God, the, the, the world that wants to do its own thing, go its own way, establish its own morality, uh, and really, at the end of the day, decide what's right in their own eyes what's good and what's evil, rather than submitting to the author of all things. And that's God. And so the day of the Lord is also a warning and an encouragement. Don't join Babylon. (laughs) Come away from those things that are going to be judged and destroyed. Come away from those things. Come be amongst God. Be His people and you'll receive and you'll experience his restoration, his peace, and his healing in your life. Not just now, but for eternity, right? This is real, this is real stuff, okay? This is something we really got to think about. Because so many of the prophecies that we see in the Bible are prophecies that have happened in the past, and we get to see how God promised something and he did it. And yet now you and I are waiting still for some of these promises to be fulfilled. And in the meantime, they sober us, <laughs> to keep us, uh, to remind us to live godly lives, but they also encourage us and give us hope for the future. And so this means that we want to be intolerant of sin in our lives. We want to be proactive against sin in our families and even in our communities. We want to keep our worldview and our conduct aligned with God and sharing the gospel with those around us, right? We want to be like, listen, I need to keep my, the way that I see the world, my worldview, my cultural values, even my political values, whatever they may be, I want to make sure that they are aligned with God, not aligned with the world. And as I'm engaging and interacting with people in the world, I want to, as we shared several weeks ago when we talked about the gospel of the kingdom, it's like, I want you to come with me. Come out from Babylon, right? The day of the Lord is coming and we want to be the people that receive his blessing and his healing. And so in the middle of us experiencing injustices, we look forward to God's justice. And in the meantime, we keep ourselves from Babylon and we call other people to come out from Babylon and join us in God's kingdom. So these are some of our takeaways. So 
here's some questions I have for you today to think about a little more deeply. And the first question is, how might you be tolerating sin or ungodliness in your life or in your environment? How might you be tolerating that right now? Uh, I think that you'll find that you probably are. Um, and, and again, I would challenge you to go a little bit deeper than just the first couple of answers that pop into your mind. There's probably some really obvious ways in which you're, you've been tolerating sin in yourself. You've been tolerating sin in your family, in your environment. But I would challenge you that there's probably some ways that you don't even realize you're doing it. You don't even see it. Uh, we really need to spend time just contemplating that. Really, honestly, thinking about it and praying about it and having the Lord show us. Where are we letting some things into our life that we really should not be letting into our life? The second question I want you to think about today is, how might you be compromising gospel values and priorities with those of your culture? This is a deep question I really want you to think about because there's so many different ways that we can do this, right? Uh, it's, it happens a lot, right? Where we'll take values from our culture or values from our politics or values from our families and, and we'll kind of take the values that come from God, right? We'll take his values and we'll go, well, let me kind of take some of these other values I like and that I've been raised with or, or that seem right to me and let me align them and, and bring them with God and kind of mesh it all together into my value system. No, 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 no. We don't want to do that, right? We want to align with God's values. If any of these values coincidentally line up with that, which very rarely do they, do they? But um, if they do, that's great. But how might we be compromising God's values with the values and the priorities of the culture around us? This happens a lot. I see it happen a lot. I've been guilty of doing it many times. Probably still am in some ways that I need the Lord to show me. And so think through that question as well. Really contemplate on that question uh, this week. And um, let's go ahead and pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to just reveal some things to us. So, Lord, I just thank you, God, that you really have given us this vision and this hope for the future. Lord God, that we can actually look with expectation and hope for your judgment and your justice, Lord God but also for your healing and for your redemption and for your mercy in our lives. Lord, I pray that the, even just thinking about these realities today would, would really sober us up to pursue you uh, genu genuinely and honestly, Lord God, that we would stop tolerating things in our hearts and our minds that we shouldn't be tolerating, Lord God. They're, they're not from you. In, in fact, they're, they're bringing pain and, and corruption into our families and into our lives. So, Lord, I pray that you would just reveal those things to us. Lord God, reveal to us some ways in which maybe we're compromising you with the cultures and values around us. Lord God, maybe we're, maybe we're having a vision of you where we're trying to make you fit into our political beliefs or our cultural beliefs or the values of our families. Lord God, where we're trying to make you fit in those things rather than abandoning those things and just following you and let you establish our values and priorities. Lord God, that's something we're all guilty of. And so I just pray that you would show us, Lord God, uh, convict us in the ways in which we might be doing that. And Lord, just lead us out from doing that, Lord God. Uh, challenge our spirits, Lord God. Show us uh, 
that we ought not to be compromising your values with anyone else. Lord God, this requires so much discernment. Uh, and so I just ask that your spirit would lead us and guide us and open our eyes to things that we've been blind to up until now. Uh, we just thank you, Lord God, for your blessing. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God that we can look forward and hope to, uh, the things that you're going to do in the future and even the things that you're doing now. Uh, just pray your blessing over every one of us today in your name. Amen. All right. Well, we also have some additional uh, questions for you to think and consider and pray through this week. And, uh, and if you uh, get our emails, those get sent out to you. But uh, if you'd like to get those emails, you can just go to hopevalley.church. And all the way at the bottom of the page there, there's a little option for you to subscribe to our emails. And uh, we send out just some questions and some devotions for you to think about throughout the week. Uh, and we also post those things to our Facebook and Instagram. So you can find them there as well. But really do hope that this uh, time and really this whole series has been a blessing for you and just helped you in your walk with the Lord. And uh, we're just really thankful that you've taken the time to be with us here today. So be blessed today. We love you. Bye-bye. We are so glad you've joined us today. To learn more about Hope Valley Church and get access to free resources, just go to www.hopevalley.church. Hope Valley is a church based in Winchester, Virginia that meets in homes around the region. So if you'd like to find out more about home churches, how they work, and how to locate one near you, just go to hopevalley.church/house. Thanks again for joining us and may God bless you today.